Next week is Christmas, next Sunday. So if you haven't got your wife a Christmas present, guys, it's time to get on it. Um, and uh, the week after that, <coughs> Walmart. <coughs> Tractor supply. There you go. Did, did you tell him where, what it is? He's going to be surprised on Christmas morning, but you're not? <clears throat> I hear the, uh, the gun store sells some nice gifts, too, for wives. That so happened to me one year. But we like I can tell you, at my house, that would not go over well. Uh, Diane, Diane hates guns. I mean, she just, they just scare her. She doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So if I bought myself a gun and gave it to her for Christmas, knowing that she wouldn't use it and she would yeah, probably give it to me, true. no, that, yeah, but it. <laughs> probably. That's true. So there's a chance. <laughs> well, I'm not brave enough to, to risk that one. <laughs> I've suffered the wrath before, and I, I don't want to suffer it again. But I think probably all the husbands in here could say that. <laughs> they just don't want to. Um, and then the week after next is New Year's Day, and we're not going to have Sunday school that day either. So um, the week after that, we're going to be messing with the canon again because uh, Todd is going to teach us Titus which is not the next book in the order, but that's the next one because of scheduling. It worked out that way. So if you, if you want to read ahead, um, I know some of you guys like to read ahead the book that we're going to be going over. On the 8th, it's going to be Titus, not First Timothy. Okay, so let's pray, and we will start looking at Thessalonians again. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us the beautiful weather that we enjoy. Father, thank you for giving us this place where we can come and worship you. And uh, Father, we just lift this time up to you and uh, pray that you would speak to us through it. Um, thank you for your word and, and how it <coughs> instructs us and encourages us. Uh, and Father, how it teaches us about you and your love for us and uh, our responsibilities to you. Father, I just thank you for, for this time and thank you for these people that are here and I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So anybody remember what was going on in Thessalonica whenever we last spoke? We've been on a cliffhanger ever since. <laughs> Paul was talking about the end, of, end of the world. Paul was talking about the end of the world. There were some questions that were involved there that they, uh, they had some, some misunderstandings. Well, not so much misunderstandings, but I guess people had told them things that, that weren't necessarily true. And just to remind you of where we are in the world, Israel's down around here. Straight up there is Philippi, where Paul was run out of town. And then he went to Thessalonica, which our friend is back. Somewhere. He's shy. There he goes. There's Thessalonica. Well, Paul was run out of town there, too. And then he went to Berea. And some of the people from Thessalonica came to Berea to run him out of Berea, too. 
So then he came down to Athens, down here, and then went to Corinth, and that, they stayed in Corinth for a while uh, to minister there. So you remember the things about Thessalonica, it's on a major east-west highway, and it's right there at the, the tip of that gulf, and so it was a major port. So there was a lot of people coming through there. There was a lot of trade there. There were a lot of uh, people from all over the, the world that, that passed through there. So there was a lot of um, strange things being taught. There was also a Jewish presence. So Paul had gone to the Jewish uh, synagogue and taught, and um, people came to the Lord, and, um, and then he planted a church. So if you'll remember, he, he was writing for several purposes when he wrote 1 Thessalonians. He was writing to kind of defend himself because he had ministered there, but he hadn't really lived there a long time, and he hadn't really ministered among them for a long time. So he was kind of defending, um, and he, there was a lot of, well, you'll remember that when we were with you, we, we worked hard, we didn't take anything from you, and we weren't there to, to line our purses, we were there to, to serve you. Um, he was also there to or write them, he also wrote them to encourage them, because they, um, he knew that they were in a tough environment, he knew there were a lot of evil influences around them. They were a baby congregation, um, so that meant the leaders were not as far advanced in, in their knowledge and, and stature as, as they, uh, they should have been. So he knew it was a tough situation for a new church. And he also wrote um, to clear up some, some questions that they had. Um, like I mentioned last week, they didn't have um, 1,400 commentaries on their computer. They could just go and look up and, and read what everybody and, and their brother said about a certain issue, um, they were pretty limited. So they, they were kind of, um, they had some questions about the, the end times. So Paul wrote to them and then um, received word back from them and then, then he wrote again. And it's also believed that this letter was also written while he was in Corinthian, uh, Corinth. Um, so it was not too long after the, the first one. So these letters were probably written fairly early in, in um, the 50s, I believe it was. Is that, does that sound right? Yep. My mind was telling me the 60s, but I didn't think that was right. <clears throat> so remember last week, one of the verses that um, we talked about, Paul had affirmed uh, to the Thessalonians that they were called. How did he know that? Do you remember? Or how do we know that if we think somebody is called? The fruit, yes. He, he watched them. He saw what was happening in their midst. He saw how the church interacted with one another. He saw how they loved one another, how they helped one another. Um, and he saw that they were standing for the truth in a, in a very difficult um, situation. Um, so here again, he, he tells them that he can see God working in them and through them. Can someone read that for us? And in the afflictions that you are 
So he knew that it wasn't easy for them, but they were, they were continuing on. They were being steadfast. They were taking care of business. They were doing the things that they, that they were supposed to do. And he was telling other churches about them. So, um, you know, that would be kind of encouraging. It would also add a little pressure, I guess, if you're like, well, this other church is watching you too, so you know, you've got to, got to keep doing the things that you're, you're supposed to be doing. Um, so keep it up. Keep doing the things that you're doing. You're doing well. And, uh, and he's telling the other churches how well they're doing. But there's still a question um, that they were having about the end times. Um, this, is the this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So he's granting, or he's saying that God is going to grant them relief. They're in a difficult time now, but better times are coming. God is going to grant you relief, and it's, it's in his righteous judgment that he's going to do that through what Jesus Christ did for us. But he also says, as well as to us. So he's kind of identifying with them that, that we're all in this together. Um, so that's kind of, a, kind of encouraging, too. Um, does that sound kind of <clears throat> science fiction-y to anybody else whenever it says, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire? I mean, it, it just kind of reminds me of that song, uh, Angel Armies, uh, God of Angel Armies. Um, that's just kind of, we, or I guess I tend to, I don't know about anybody else, I tend to kind of think about what, what I can touch, what I can feel, you know, and, and I know that, that there's a spiritual realm, and I know that that's in operation, but, you know, this is what occupies my attention because that's what I can experience the, the easiest is what I can see and, and who I can talk to. Um, so whenever I read a passage like this, it just really makes me stop and think that there's a whole lot more out there that we're not directly experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so um, it's not necessarily popular, especially in our culture, to think about God coming back in this way, um, that he's going to be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That's really giving us hope. Right. And, and I think that's exactly what he was trying to do there. It, it, I mean, he's pointing towards, away from where you are right now and the difficulties, pointing towards, towards that. And I think that I could really identify with a lot that he wrote to the Thessalonians almost 2,000 years ago because of our culture today. I mean, we don't, we don't want to hear about judgment. We don't want to hear about you know, sin as a problem. We want to hear about, you know, God is love, and which he is. And, um, you know, Jesus came to save the world, which he did. But there is sin, and, and there's judgment, and we need to address that. Otherwise, how do you evangelize anybody? 
I mean, how, do, how does anybody understand the good news unless they, have, they can recognize the bad news that, that they're being saved from? Um, so I just put a couple more passages in here to, to show that type thing. Uh, Matthew 13, 41 and 42. Could someone read that? Je this is, these are, this, Jesus said this. So that's one reason why I'm thankful for a church like this, because I know Pastor Joel, we just, he just preached through the Ten Commandments, and it's impossible to listen to the teaching of what those commandments are really commanding without realizing, ooh, if God is going to be judging on merit, I'm in trouble. Um, but the good news is, we have Jesus Christ. The good news is he came and he died in our place, and now we will, we will be saved uh, because of what he did. And one other one that it, that it reminded me of, and this is from Revelation. So the angel swung, swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Now that's a vivid picture because what happens to the grapes in the winepress? They get squished. And then the, it goes on to describe after that the uh, the blood and and all that uh, all that kind of stuff. So there's a there's a judgment coming, and it's it's not going to be pretty. And so that ought to encourage us, because we won't be going through that because of what Jesus Christ did for us. But it also should encourage us to spread the news. Um, whoever whoever we come across. Um, you know that's where they're headed if they don't know if they don't know the Lord. Any other comments on that before we move on? When I see Matthew 13 up there, I think of the parable that Jesus told of Lazarus and the rich man. Just reminds me of that. <clears throat> and why does it remind you of that? That would make it worse. That would make it worse. Um, and then you could see and you couldn't cross. And you know you'll never cross. Because God is loving, they think, which he is, but it's also balanced because just. he's just, well, exactly. He can't be loving if he doesn't punish sin. And I think exactly. that's what I tell Jesus. We assume that people are generally good. 
you know, and, and helping people to understand that we all deserve hell is very countercultural. Right. But, and it takes a long time to build up the relationship where you have the credibility to talk about that. But it is incredibly important, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's not easy, and I'm sure it wasn't easy for them either. Uh, in their culture, uh, they probably had some of the same um, hurdles that we have in ours, except you know they didn't have social media to contend with. But um, it, it's difficult, um, and and it's we need to remember that God expresses His glory in a lot of different ways, and and His justice is one of those ways that He expresses His glory. And, uh, and that's just very difficult for us, for our ears uh, to hear. Could someone read that one? Chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the So God is empowering them to, to walk in the good works that, that, he is, that he's prepared for them, to use Paul's words from Ephesians. So to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. So they're not worthy in themselves, just like we're not worthy in ourselves. But God is at work in them, and God is at work through them. And, and so that's, Paul is, uh, is uh, praying for them and praying for that to, to happen. So that, that the end goal would be that the Lord Jesus would be glorified. Which I think of that movie, Saving Private Ryan. I don't know if anybody has seen that, but in, in the ending of the movie, the lieutenant who's about to give his life for this one young fellow says, live in such a way that this will all have been worth it for, for you. Yeah. And the last scene, he's coming back to, he's got his graveside. And it's, that's a good, uh, good thing for us to shoot for. Can we ever do that? No, not completely. No. But it's, we still need to shoot. That, that's the direction we need to be going in. Because, you know, it, that's what he died for was, well, that's one of the reasons why he died. But um, that's where we need to be headed with our, with our lives. We need to, uh, to be, that God may make you worthy of his calling. I like that. I couldn't. Re I didn't remember that scene. It's been so long since I saw that movie. But isn't, isn't this a great prayer to pray for our kids or for ourselves, or our yeah. spouses, or our, in, our church? Right. I mean, how could it ever be wrong to pray for somebody that God would be glorified in them? Yeah. I mean, if you want to pray that for me, go go right ahead. <laughs> Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the questions that they had about the, the second coming of Christ, he had addressed them briefly in the first letter, but you could tell by this letter it hadn't gone away. They were still 
laboring under, under some, some questions. Um, so now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. So apparently there was still some deception going on that people were saying that, that God has always, uh, Jesus has already come back, and you missed it. You were left behind. Might be a good idea for a book series if somebody wanted to, you know. <laughs> catchy title. Um, so he's, he's writing them to, to encourage them, um, and he's saying, no, you didn't miss it. It hasn't happened yet. Um, and it's interesting that, that some, of the, uh, some of the letters that they receive, and I never really thought about this because, you know, I was, always think that, okay, we've got First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians and First Timothy and Second Timothy, and so those were the only letters that Paul ever wrote to them, or those were the only letters that they ever received. Well, it wasn't, because we can see here, or a letter seeming to be from us. So there were people that were sending letters purporting to be from Paul, which weren't really from Paul. So they were, they were teaching them things that were not accurate. Um, so he goes on to give some d details after this uh, passage here about um, some things that are going to happen in the end times. And that's kind of beyond where we're going with this class today, so we're not going to really talk about the details of those. But it's really interesting to read those. And I would, I would highly encourage you to read this letter. It only takes 10 minutes or so. Um, because it's only three chapters. But read through those things, and, and it's just really interesting to see some of the, some of the things that, uh, that Paul was talking about here. But the bottom line is it hasn't happened yet. You didn't miss it. You're still on track. Stay on track. Um, and you're going to know when it happens, and God's got you covered. God's got you. It's okay. <clears throat> So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So stop listening to all the nonsense. We told you what you need to know, and we're telling you again what you need to know, and don't listen to all these other guys, because they're not telling you accurate information. And now may, the Lord, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So he's praying that blessing over them again um, that God is going to comfort them in the midst of their trials and in the midst of their tribulation, in the midst of their questions, that God's going to give them the comfort and he's going to keep, their, keep the good hope um, and comfort their hearts and establish them in, in the good works and the good, good word. Any comments on that part of it before we move on to the, to the last part?
Exactly. There's so much can distract us. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said be ready, because I think that is the, if you want to summarize the second chapter, I think that's it. Be ready. Because you don't know when it's going to happen. Um, I think another thing, uh, applying this to today and what's going on, <laughs> is that stand firm and hold, the tr- hold to the traditions. Right. The traditional, everything. Right. And it's, it's kind, of, um, kind of a fine line sometimes because you don't want to stand on tradition just because that's the way we've always done it. But on the other hand, one of the reasons why we've always done it that way is because that's what God taught us. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, you gotta, you got to be discerning uh, when, you, when you do that. But, but absolutely, I mean, um, and it's really easy when you look at our society and, and a lot of the changes that are going on right now, we can see because we've been around long enough and we've seen where these some of these things lead to, and we can see that it's not going in a good direction. And so it's, it's frightening. Um, and that's where the world needs to see us living faithfully, not right. running around like chicken little. Right. We, we just try to read too much into it, yeah. and we try to make it more complicated than what it really is, um, and I'm, I'm guilty. I mean, and that, that, that ends up causing us to worry and fret about different things. We don't need to fret. I mean, we... God. We're giving away our secrets. <laughs> 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 so finally, brothers... Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. So Paul's wrapping this letter up, but as usual, when he says finally, he's not really done. Is that a preacher's trick, too? Is that a preacher's trick, too? You say finally, and you're not really almost done? (laughs) You could start at the beginning. Finally... Last point. Yeah, we're catching on. See, we've been around for a long time. We've seen these things in action. We, we know how you guys work. But I digress. But I digress. <laughs> Love you, Pastor. Like I said last week, and I'll say it again now, we are blessed in this congregation. And you guys know that. Amen. You need to know that. Um, so Paul was praying that they would pray for him because he's out there doing the same thing with another group that he did with them um, not too long before. And he's spreading the word of the Lord. He's planning another church. He's... Um, wanting that, that word to be spread. Um, I'm going to 
amongst the, uh, the wicked and evil men, or he wants to be delivered from the wicked and evil men, but he's wanting the word to be spread among the unbelievers. Um, and he, needs, he knows he needs spiritual help. He knows he's in a spiritual war. Um, and so he's wanting them to, to keep him covered in prayer. And um, then he, another problem that he addressed at the end, and I, it, it almost looked like this was kind of tagged on at the end, um, so I'm not really sure what was going on there, but um, apparently there were people who didn't want to work. I don't know that that, I mean, that kind of sounds familiar with our society too, but um, for even when we were with you, we would, not gi we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. And I think this goes back to what Cheryl was just saying. We, the world needs to see us taking care of business. And we're doing the things that we were, we're supposed to be doing. We're living um, upstanding lives. Um, and they, they, we're not giving anybody reason to, to, question, uh, to question that. Um, and it sounds kind of unloving. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. But, and I think there would be, a, wouldn't be any problem understanding that he's talking about people who can't work. I mean, who can work but don't, won't work. Um, because people who can't work, of course, that's another story. Um, so what do you think whenever you hear that? Tough love is right. Well, back to the idea that you started with, with the judgment. We don't want the we don't want to believe we're accountable, and that's one of the things we've lost, cultures lost being held accountable. So part of we do as a disservice if we don't even live our lives as if we're accountable, which is why we confess our sin. We go, yeah, I did that. I thought that wrongly. I acted, and take the consequences and. God for the ultimate consequence he took on himself. But if we don't live in a, as a culture that is accountable, then how can we help give that image that there's a judgment? I, I'd rather just, you know, make it work it out, talk my way out of it, um, say it isn't fair, whatever. You can live differently. Mm -hmm. It's a sense of accountability as a people, our church people. Right. We, we are not like the rest, by design. say, well, aren't you a Christian? You know, and the idea is if you're a Christian, then you are obligated to meet 100% right. of the financial needs of someone who is an able-bodied individual who could work and do the work that they're called to do. And so I think it maybe has to do a little bit about mm -hmm. that. Um, people just sort of saying, well, okay, the end's coming soon, and I'm just going to kind of enjoy the, you know, all things in common, and I'm not really going <laughs> to 
don't know when Jesus is coming back. So do your work. Keep working. And uh, be generous and give to people who have needs. But if, if you can work and you can contribute, then you should be uh, giving as much or more than you receive. Yeah. And, and I think it, it boils down to selfishness on the part of those people that are not willing to, to help uh, as far as if they're in a, a communal type situation, if they're not willing to put anything in, they're just willing to take things out, then um, you know, they're perfectly satisfied with somebody else doing their, doing their share. Um, and I don't think that that's something that, that Paul's gonna, gonna commend to them because he pointed out, you know, when we were with you, we worked. And I'm an apostle, I could, I could think that you should be paying or that you should be supporting me while I'm here, but I, I didn't do that. We didn't take anything that we didn't earn. It's kind of the flip side of the Mary and Martha story. You know, people can sometimes absolutize that and say, well, you know, Martha, she was kind of wasting her time doing all this work. And then Mary was really, that's the most important thing. Now, in that instance, it was the most important thing because Jesus <coughs> said so, and Jesus was with them for such a short time. But we can kind of absolutize that and miss that there's dignity in work. Right. Yeah. Sort of the other side of that story. Yeah, because that was just an isolated incident. Yeah. I mean, one one meal. Mm -hmm. Let's concentrate on what's important. Right. And well, but overall, other, all the other parables in those like two chapters surrounding it are all about going out and doing work. It's really interesting <laughs> that that one it, it it's to remind us that it's not all about work, but it's right. interesting that like four or five other ones are. Be be discerning. Right. Doing nothing. Right. And uh, this world is a physical world. And, you know, we are we are body and soul. Uh, and so it's a more integrated, uh, holistic spirituality that involves serving God in practical ways on this earth. Uh, whether you're a teacher or an attorney or a, a yeah. banker or a small business owner or whatever it is you do, you can do that work to the glory of God. If you're not sort of a Right. Nothing more to see here. Let's let's get get down to business. <clears throat> Which I think is an application of that is how we raise our children. I mean, we're little communities, little family units at home. And if we do, if we live our Christian families as the world is, then mom does everything for the kid. All the kid understands is take care of me, give me this, mm -hmm. provide this. And children need. 
receive, but they also give and work. Right. So the way that we raise our families is a little um, picture of how to do that. Yeah. And help them to be accountable to all that they have. Yep. And we, or at least I, I usually forget that, that work was before the fall. Adam had work before there was sin. So work is good. And I thought this ending was interesting. Now, the, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So he used a scribe to actually take down what he was writing to the people. But then at the end, he, he tagged on his, his own greeting so they would know that this was the real letter. Because he had, he had referred before that to, uh, to the letter that, um, or to some other letters that, that weren't genuine. So I, I just thought it was interesting that he, he ends up with this, that this is the real one, guys. Pay attention. Um, we've got a few minutes left. We'll look at Jude. We may not finish it all. I may have to revisit it at some point, but we'll see what we can do. Jude, who was he? That's the best guess. Uh, there were several Judes in the in there, Judas's, um, but the the best guess is that he was bro brother of James, who was brother of Jesus. Uh, Don's probably going to talk more about that when he talks about James, so I'll I'll leave the details for him. But um, but he was probably uh, Jesus's half brother, um, which just kind of blows my mind. Can you think about? I mean, I try to put my myself in the position sometimes of people in there and just kind of imagine what, what life would have been like. Can you imagine like going to Sunday school with Jesus? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he knew all the answers. He probably knew the questions before, before they were asked. Um, and he was that kid probably who wanted to know more. You're ready to go out and play on the playground or get your cupcake or whatever. And he's asking questions because he wants to take advantage of the time with the, with the teacher. And so, um, yeah, he was probably the kid that was that everybody just annoyed everybody. Well, there's no map on this one. I'm sure you're disappointed, so no, no aardvark. Why was there no map? Any guess? Personal. What? It's a personal letter. It's, it's more of a personal letter. It's not directed toward anybody in particular. It's more of a general, uh, a general type thing. It's not directed like the Thessalonians. It's not d directed to any particular church. And it was probably written somewhere around the year 65 or 70. Um, there's not a lot in the letter uh, that they could use to date it. Uh, it's a short letter. It's only one chapter. Um, and this is toward the beginning. Beloved, although I was eager, very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Um, I think that's probably a good summary right there, contend for the faith. Uh, he was writing against false teachers, and false teachers were perver uh, perverting the grace of Christ and, and using it as a license to sin. And 
Paul addressed that in one of his letters, um, Romans, letter to the Romans um, as well, that, um, and I've heard people in this day say the same kind of thing. Well, if God's going to forgive you, why not just do it, right? Um, just go and have fun and, and do whatever it is that you want to do and then ask forgiveness later. Um, is that a good philosophy for us to have? <laughs> no. Um, so he, he goes into some Old Testament examples. So he, he was writing to an audience that, that was familiar with the Old Testament, so it was probably Jewish um, or heavy Jewish influence. He was writing to an audience that was familiar with some Jewish literature just by some of the examples that he used. Um, he uses an uh, example from, from Exodus that, uh, that a lot of the people that, that left um, Egypt to go into the Promised Land never made it to the Promised Land. They died in the desert. Um, he uses uh, fallen angels. He uses Sodom and Gomorrah as, a, as an example. And again, just like we saw in 2 Thessalonians, sin is serious. God takes sin seriously. Um, and all the examples that he, that he talked to was God judging sin in a, in a very, very, uh, what, what we would think would be a harsh uh, way. Um, but that's because we tend to whitewash it today. It's, you know, okay, it's a little, little, did something bad, a little bad, but not, not that, not that bad. Um, well, they did that back then as well. You know, they would do whatever and then they would, would try to justify it. <clears throat> so in verse five, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So a couple things jump out at me is, you know, judgment. I mean, God went to the problem, went to a whole, the whole process of saving these people out of Egypt, and then a lot of them died in the wilderness. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting when I read this passage was, who saved the people out of Egypt? Jesus. Well, that, I've read this book a number of times before, but that has never popped into my head like it did this morning. Um, because some scholars would want you to believe that, that the early church didn't believe Jesus was God. They didn't believe in the divinity of, of Christ. I don't know how they could come to that conclusion, uh, reading the same scripture that I read, but Jesus saved the Egyptian, I mean the Israelites out of Egypt. And that, this is a fairly early book. This is, you know, like I said, 65 or 70. So this is only um, maybe 40 years after, after Christ died. So this wasn't a late addition uh, to the theology. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Anybody give a 30-second summary of what happened to Cain? What, who, what, what did Cain do? <coughs> Killed Abel. What did Balaam do? Took money to curse the Israelites. Took money to curse the Israelites. What, what was Korah's rebellion? Against Moses. Against Moses. How many people died in that one? 250 Well, it turned out to be 16,000 or 15,000. But yeah, 250. <laughs> 250, he was right. And, and the thing about that was they were teachers. They were, they were the leaders uh, of the congregation. Uh, they were 
um, Korah was one of the Levites, and then there were some other leaders as well. And if you want to look that up, I'd, I was reading it this morning. It was a really interesting story in Numbers uh, chapter 16, where the earth, and this is a spoiler, so if you, if, <laughs> and Moses said, okay, if you, God will judge, if, if, if you die of natural causes, talking to Korah, if you die of natural causes, then I'm wrong. If the earth opens up and swallows you, then I'm right. Well, then the earth opened up and swallowed him and his family and all his servants and all his stuff and, and closed back up over him. Well, then the people got mad at um, Moses for killing them. Well, Moses didn't do it. I mean, obviously God did it because the earth opened up. Um, so they, uh, they didn't see it that way. And, then, and that's where the, the rest of them followed their leader and then a, a, some kind of a plague broke out in the, ca in the camp. And so like 16,000 people ended up dying. So anyway, don't do that. <laughs> they, they walked in the way of that. And, and again, he's talking about false teachers. And that's, that's the big thing is people that are, that are supposed to be teaching you the truth and they're teaching you um, falsehoods. And I'm going to skip through the next couple of slides because that was dealing with Korah. False teachers? Yeah, what, what are they saying right now? Prosperity gospel Prosperity. would be one of the big ones. That's a big problem in Uganda. I mean, it's a big problem over here, too, but it's a big problem over in Uganda that Joel could tell you about. They, when they did their minister's conference, uh, they had some, some people there that, from different, different uh, Christian uh, denominations. Um, and universalism is also... Yeah. Yeah, humanism uh, in one form or another that I can, it's all up to me. I can make my own decisions and I can make my own path and all paths lead to heaven. So um, anybody else think of um, others? Yeah, um, some of the churches teach that you can lose your salvation. Yep. I just had a neighbor who, who passed away a couple weeks ago and, and he was part of one of those congregations and he had no assurance right up right up to the time he died. A seminary professor was allowed to teach that, uh, that these things weren't actually part of the original scriptures and that, yep. uh, you know, Jesus never said that, he never said this, and, and I think they've got it down. I think Jesus only said something about the, uh, about the money deal. Right. Uh, Right. Just add it along the way. Jesus Seminar. Jesus Seminar, yes. And they say the Bible was written by men. What do you believe? Well, the Bible contains the Word of God. Contains the Word of God. That was actually what I was taught when I was in Sunday school as a kid. Do what? All those men died for what they believed. Yeah. 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 
step. wrapping it up here because it's, it's time to move on to the to the sanctuary for the main show which is not a show <laughs> see see how that sneaks in <clears throat> all right let me let me close with this because um, this is how he closes and I, I always love this uh, benediction that he uses now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Gary, would you close us in prayer, please? and it preaches your word and your gospel each and every Sunday. Prepare our hearts and minds as we go to the worship service and bless our time together with other believers as we hear your word preached. And may we worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So remember on January 8th is the next meeting and it will be Titus. And you're the after that, right? Yeah.